Well, come on, somebody make some noise like you're glad you came to church today. Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. Make some noise like you're glad you came to church today. Come on. Well, hey, I want to welcome you at every location, Westerville, Short, North Hilliard. Glad you're here. Every guest walking through these doors, it really is an honor to serve you. And to all the men and women joining us at three correctional facilities right now. Come on, church. Put your hands together. Make some noise. And, um, and hey, we, we, we just want to make sure that, that y'all uh, stream or listen to the, the new single that's being dropped today by Rock City Creative. Um, I, th- I think it's incredible. Matter of fact, give us some more of it. Would, would you give us some more? Come on. Let's just hear a little bit more. Come on. Can we make some noise for the creative team, the worship team? Come on. So make sure you stream it, listen to it today. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of these guys and uh, girls, and man, it's just incredible. Um, glad you're here. When I, when I was in middle school, I don't know how, how many of you share a similar story. I know sometimes um, when it comes to school, we, we move around a lot. Anybody move schools when you were a kid? Like you didn't just go to one school, you moved. How many of you moved one time? Keep, put your hand up. Keep it up. If you moved two times, keep it up. Three times, keep it up. Four times, keep it up. I hear somebody streaming that song right now, literally right now. Five times, keep it up. Ten times. Oh, yeah, there's one. Twenty times. Wow. Well, that probably jacked you up. So um, (laughs) there is an extreme version of this message, and I want you to kind of define the middle, okay? So. When I was in middle school, getting ready for high school, um, all I'd ever known was a Christian school. I grew up in, in, a, in a church and went to Christian school uh, from kindergarten through eighth grade. And, and um, one, of, one of the things that, that began to happen, I wouldn't say it was the best run Christian school. We, we uh, put our kids in a Christian school today. We love it. But uh, th- there was some drama going on. And, and uh, I was watching a lot of my friends uh, turn away from the faith at the time. And th- there was just a lot of, uh, kind of, a lot of rebellion happening in, in, the, in the environment that I was in. And uh, so my parents and, and me, we, we decided and prayed about it and talked a lot about it. We decided, you know, maybe a move would, would be good. And, and so um, I decided let, let's go from this small Christian school to a public school and uh, went to Sandusky High School. And uh, the difference between the schools, pretty, pretty drastic. I lived in a small town. Sandusky's not a big town. It's a small town. But, but um, when it came time for the graduating class, like the senior class, the Christian school, I think they graduated like six kids like that year. Like that's how small the school was. Um, and then there were hundreds of kids that graduated uh, from Sandusky High that I was a part of. And uh, I, think, I think about that move and, uh, and just the impact that one move has had on my life. Like that's that's number one. That's where I met my wife, Katie. Come on, let's, let's put our hands together. If you know how amazing she is. And uh, we were high, high school sweethearts, dated our senior year, and then, then got married uh, several years after that. But uh, met my wife, can't imagine my life without her. Um, that, that was an environment where really for the first time in my life, I, I learned how to navigate being a Christian in, a, in an environment where not everybody shared that same value system. Like, even though my friends might have said, hey, we're Christians, they didn't live like it. Y- y'all know the difference between saying you're something and living like you're something? Saying you follow Jesus and living like it. And, and so not as many um, of my friends in high school lived like it. That was a big, that was a big change for me, but I learned a lot. And uh, then, then college time came around, and um, I started looking at the town that I was living in, and I, 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 I tr- started to compare the dream that God had put in my heart 
with the size of the town, and, and how, how many of you have been in a similar situation? You just feel like the dream that God's put in your heart is bigger than the town you're living in or, or we're living in, and so it was time for a change for me, and so I chose the University of Toledo and decided Toledo's bigger than Sandusky. Let's go, and, and, um, and God began to, to more move uh, in my heart and, and build the dream. And after, um, after the first year of college I, I spent going to school, I realized I had no plan to pay for my school. Anybody? <laughs> like, oh, wait, it's not free. And, uh, and I don't think it should be either. I think you should pay for it. Anyways, that's just me. Um, pay for your education. So, so I'm like, I, I don't know how to pay for this. And, and so I decided, well, let's just join the military. And, and uh, they told me we'll, we'll pay for it. And, and uh, I, I literally, my graduating class, we graduated right, right before 9-11. And so that was a great day for me because I realized, okay, now your whole life has changed. Everybody's life has changed. And I was deployed, spent a year on active duty after that, spent some time in the Middle East. A big move for me. But I, again, I look back at that move and I'm grateful. Because both my wife and I, we were able to, to get married, and neither of us had any college debt. And I look at some of my friends, and, and that college debt, that's, a, that's a, just a, a mound of weight just sitting on your shoulders. And I'm, I'm grateful that, that we made that move. And then while we were still living in Toledo and going to school and, and serving as volunteers in a, in, in a youth ministry, God really began, again, to, 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 to define the dream and grow the dream. And I remember... Katie and me and two friends of ours who actually were a part of the building of this church. They were on the launch team of this church, still a part of this church to this day. But I remember we were 18, 19 years old praying in my apartment about starting a church, a ministry that would impact our generation. We, we talked about it then. We're doing it now. We got married and, and uh, had an opportunity to join a church. Because I'd never really known anybody to start a church. I, I, I had a great-grandfather that started one, but I, did, I never really got to meet him. And so I, I didn't really know what it took to start anything. And, and, uh, and so I got, got an offer to be a youth pastor, a worship leader. And my wife and I, we prayed about it and thought, you know what? Maybe we can take the dream God's put in our heart and we can apply it inside a local church. And we, we, we did that. We took that step. We made that move and spent five and a half years in full-time youth ministry. I was a worship pastor as well. Then about three and a half years into pastoring those students, I realized that I was only getting what everybody else had always gotten because I was only doing what everybody else had always done. And, um, and so because I wanted something more, we, we, we had about 75 kids in our, our youth group, but I, I had a dream to change the city, and I just wasn't feeling like we were going to change the city with 75 kids, and, and I, I wanted to impact more. And so, so I convinced our pastor to let us deconstruct the ministry. We killed it. We, we actually grew the youth ministry down from 75 to about 12 Anybody ever grown a business from like, you know, and uh, that was a scary time, but we made a move and not many people were making that move to, to, to grow so rapidly as we did. And, and we broke that ministry down. We redesigned it, relaunched it. And uh, I, I really started to understand a little bit more about leadership. And I started reading leadership books and, and, and finding mentors that, that could guide me and coach me. And when we reconstructed it and we relaunched it, we had the biggest youth meeting we'd ever had. And then within a seven-month span, we, we actually saw that youth ministry grow from about 75 young people to, to 700, which was incredible. Toledo, Ohio, we had youth pastors busting in kids from other states just to experience what God was doing in that city. And then I remember uh, about a year and a half into that, I, I was sitting in my desk after a really incredible worship experience, and, and I was asking the Lord, what's next? Like, what, what can we do next? Like, like my, my nearsighted dream began to fade. It was blurry. I, I couldn't figure out, what do we do next week? How do we top this next month? Like, what, 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 what do you want us to do? And as I sat in my room 
And I was asking the Lord what's next. I remember like the whole room began to fill with smoke as the Holy Spirit's presence just came in to my office. And, and God began to speak and the ceiling tile started falling out of the, the ceiling. And, and uh, everybody just fled the building because the fear of God just rested right on that place. And God, God spoke to me and he said, in order for me to take you to a place you've never been before, are you willing to do what you've never done before? Now, everything about that's true, minus the smoke and the shaking of the room <laughs> and the audible voice. But when God spoke to me, it was such a, a clear, deep, heavy impression on my heart. I knew, God, if, you, if you're going to take me to a place I've never been then what have I not done that I need to do? And I remember in that moment, I needed to fast and I needed to pray. I, I'd not really lived out that, that spiritual discipline before. And, and so we embarked, some friends of mine and, and myself, we embarked on a 40-day journey of prayer and fasting. We didn't eat any food for 40 days. We, we lived on water and juice and prayer and the word alone. It was pretty uh, much an incredible and painful time. <laughs> But as I look back at that move, within that next year, God would literally have moved us out of where we were to start us on this journey. I had no idea that he really meant what he said. Like, I thought, like, you know, do something new here. No, no. He said, if you want me to take you to a place you've never been, like, like you want me to move you to a city you've never lived in, to start a church that nobody's ever heard of, I want to see if you're willing to step with me. Or do you just want to stay where you're at? Within that next year, we, we found ourselves on this journey. And I had a friend at the time living in, in, in Toledo. And he said to me, Chad, why not start the church here? We, we got like 700 young people to help us start the church. We could take a bunch from this church. And, and I said, get away from me, Satan. I, I am not. No, I will not dishonor a house of God like that, I'm not going to split a church. I'm not going to try to, no, this city's not big enough for the two of us. I'm, I'm going someplace. God's going to show me where it is. And so we put our house up for sale, and we prepared for this move. And my two baby girls and Katie and me would, would, would live with no financial security, no guarantee for many years to come. Actually, there, there's never been a whole lot of guarantee. There's never, there's never a real guarantee when you're stepping out in faith and you're walking in faith and you're living in faith, it's filled with uncertainty and it's filled with fear and overcoming fear and stepping over fear. And it's been a journey for us of incredible sacrifice and that incredible sacrifice has never waned. It's constant sacrifice. But I think it's safe to say that I'm glad we made the move. I'm glad I made the move because, because I would never be, I would never be seeing God do what he's doing right now. I, I would not be a part of a church like this. And I'm, I'm so grateful that, that there were friends in our lives that were willing to move. I'm, I'm grateful for my sister-in-law who before my wife and I sold our home, she changed jobs from Toledo to Columbus. She got a nursing job here, got an apartment here months before she got married. She left her fiance in that town. Come on, somebody. Because she knew when God says go, you go. You don't, you don't, you don't wait around. You just go. And I'm grateful, I'm grateful that, that, that we, we chose, I'm grateful we chose to, to not stay at the Linux when, when even though we lost at the Linux, at the AMC Linux, and we started filling that place up, I'm, 
I'm grateful we didn't decide, you know what, this is all it's ever going to be. And there were like two to 300 people that were willing to leave the comfort of where we were at that movie theater just a few years in to go to another theater on the other side of town where nobody really lived, Georgesville Road. And, and we, we opened up the, 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 the campus at the Regal. And, and then I'm grateful that when, when that kind of, you know, it saw its day and, and it, the time was, was right for it to move again, that those people moved to Upper Arlington High School. And we tried something there, and we spent several years there. And, and then I'm grateful we, we, we had some people willing to move from Upper Arlington High School to where I'm standing right now today. Because we wouldn't be here today if a bunch of people hadn't been willing to move, to leave where they were, to step into the calling that God has for this church. I, I have a feeling that the Lord will continue to call us to move. I have a feeling that, that we're just getting started, that the best is yet to come. I love that at our Hilliard campus, we, we have a perfectly good parking lot here, but there's a bunch of people willing to leave this parking lot so we can make room for the guests that we have walking through these doors every week. I'm grateful for you, that you're so generous and you're willing to move. You see, to live God's plan and God's purpose for your life, it's going to require you to leave something behind. It's going to require you to step out in faith. Walking in the plan and the purpose that God has for you, which, by the way, God's plan is bigger than your plan. God's plan is better than your plan. To walk in his plan for you will require you to leave something behind. To make a difference in the world around you, it's, it's going to require you to leave something behind, to, to take a step on nothing but a promise and a prayer. God's will for you will always require sacrifice, faith, obedience. That will involve taking a step of faith before you're guaranteed the outcome you desire. Which is why so few people will ever step, will ever go, will ever leave the comfort of where they are today in order to step into the calling and the greatness that God has for you and for your tomorrow. I I'm asking you, church, don't be the person who stays stuck their entire lives. God has more for you. Now we look at the book of Genesis chapter 12, and I love this story. It says this, that the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. I love this story because it describes so clearly what God wants to do in our lives. And how taking hold of God's promise will always require a significant step of faith, a step, a move toward him. Now hear me out today, I'm not telling you that every step of faith requires you to move from this city and, and go live in a new one or to leave the job you're in right now and, and to go find a new one. I'm, I'm not saying it's always a geographical move. Quite frankly, most oftentimes, it's not a geographical move. God has planted you here because he has something for you here. But sometimes it is a geographical move. What I am saying is living a life of faith is, is, is choosing to live a life of movement, constant movement. 
Well, you can either choose to stay stuck or you can choose to step in faith. It is up to you. It's always up to you. Now, what I know about some of you is some of you, you've been stuck. You've chosen to be stuck for a long time. Some of you are stuck spiritually. Your your spiritual life today, 10 years later, looks the same as it did 10 years ago when you got saved or a year ago when you got saved. It's time for you to move from where you are spiritually and to step into a life of intentionality where you, you value your relationship with Jesus above every other relationship in your life. For some of you, maybe it's time for you to step out of the comfort of your seed and to to actually be a part of the ministry that God has called you to. Maybe it's to leave the comfort of your home and to join a small group. Maybe it's to leave the comfort and the security of the job that you actually despise so that you can begin to take hold of the dream that God has placed inside of you to build. For some of you, maybe it's to step from your spiritually deadbeat partner that you're not married to, and thank God you're not yet, because you're never going to stand out while you're being stood on by somebody who doesn't share your spiritual values. And it's time to step. It's time to leave. You can stay stuck, or you can move forward. Maybe for you is to leave the pain from your past that you've been holding on to. Maybe for some of you, it's time to step away from some of the generational strongholds that you've held on to and that have been been holding on to you. And you hold on to it and you allow those strongholds to remain by, by making excuses for how you live. Well, it just runs in my family. You, you, you understand that, that this is what my daddy did and his daddy did, or that this is, this is just what, this is how my family's always been all these years. It, it's always been this way, but church, it doesn't have to. It can stop with you. You can step into freedom if you want to. Join a freedom group. Be free. For some of you, You've been stuck in a sin issue. Maybe you're stuck in a lifestyle that you've embraced, but you know that to honor God with your life, there needs to be some real change in your life, and it it means to step away from something that you've embraced for a really long time, but you know that in, in your spirit, you've been living at odds with the Holy Spirit. It means stepping away from something you, you actually crave so that you can step into the fullness and the freedom of what God has for you. For some of you, maybe it's time to walk away from the dream. What I mean by walking away from the dream is, is, is y'all know probably somebody like this. You, you live in the dream phase and you never leave the dream phase. And for 30 years, you've been talking about the dream, but you've never moved from the, the, the dream phase into the building phase. Like I think about this church, had we only ever talked about starting a church? I think about these campuses. I I think about this one. Had we only talked about it, but never moved from the dream phase to the construction of the dream phase to the completion of the dream phase, where would we be today? And some of you, you've been talking about it. You've been talking about it, but you've been afraid to step out and to begin pursuing and building the dream that God has put in your heart to build. There's fear in your heart. 
Because of the uncertainty of what if I fail or, or what if I miss my, my step? What if I lose my way? You know what? If any of those describe you, it doesn't make you much different from most. It makes you like most people. Because the sad reality is very few people will ever truly trust God enough to follow him wholly and fully. Most people would rather remain stuck than follow him. Most people would rather remain stuck than step in faith and risk something worse than, than we think is being stuck. And that is that, that we might fail, that, that we might look foolish at times. And it's hard for us to embrace the uncertainty of our future when we can't control our future. Church, can I remind you that we serve a God who is already in our future. Come on, he stands behind you. He stands beside you. He stands before you. And the God who's called you to will most certainly see you through. Are you willing to trust him? Now, what are some reasons why so many people stay stuck? Number one, I think too many people, we live by sight and not by faith. I would even add to this that, that we live by feel and not by faith. Notice in Genesis chapter 12, what, what does the Lord say to Abraham? He says, I want you to leave your country, your people, your father's house. Go to the land that I will show you. And Abraham was 75 years old when he set out. Not, not for some well-defined territory. No, notice God gives Abraham no destination. He, he doesn't name the destination. All, all Abraham is doing, it doesn't say that he set out for something. It says that he set out from Haran. Go to the land that I will show you. So Abraham went from, not to, from where he's at, his hometown. He leaves everything he knows behind with absolutely no idea as to where he will actually end up, God says, I will show you future tense, but you've got a step first. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and he went even though he did not know where he was going. Now, if that were me and, and most of us, I think we'd have a different conversation with the Lord. I think the outcome might be different. It's like, Hey, hold up one second. Need some more details. Come on, somebody. <laughs> How will I know when I get there, Lord? What do I need to pack? Um, is it cold there? Is it a warmer climate? Are the people going to be friendly? Is it going to be an easy path? Is it a, am I going to like the journey? Like, what's the journey going to look like? What's it going to feel like? And yet the reality is that you will never have the faith you need until you learn to use the faith you have. You see, the reason we don't have the faith we need is because we're so fearful to use the faith we have. It doesn't say Abraham went to something. It says Abraham left something in order to find out what God had for him next. We like to say, show me and, and then I'll go and God says, no, how about you go and then I'll show you. You see, I think if, if he were to show you everything about the dream up front, it would do more harm than good. Like, 
Like you would run from it because God's dream for your life is so much bigger than you. It's not only going to require the spirit of God within you, a whole lot of him, but it's going to require a whole lot of strong people around you. And so he doesn't give us the whole picture up front because he, he knows it's so big. It, you're not going to run toward it. You, you, you're just going to count yourself out. Oh, I can't do that. It's too big for me. You got the wrong guy. It's no way that's going to happen. No way I'm going to do that. Uh-uh. No, I'm staying home. When it came to start this church, we, we had a date picked out to launch the church. We had marketing ready to go to print. We'd raised the money we needed to start the church. And we even raised, I raised, and a pastor friend of mine, we raised personal support for two years from people. Most people didn't, that didn't even attend our church. They lived from other, in other towns just so that we didn't have to rely on anything. Just I wanted the church to know, hey, we're strong. And, and so we, we had a launch team ready to go. The only thing we did not have was a building to meet in. I'm telling you, that launch day was coming close, and we didn't know where we were going to meet, and we had no idea. And the reason I tell you that is because God didn't give us the Lennox movie theater, and then we started to dream about what would it look like to have church in a movie theater. We sold our house in Toledo, Ohio. We moved here and found a place to live without having any clue as to where God would plant this church. We just knew it was someplace around here. When God gives you a dream, it's what you do. You move toward the dream. You step. You don't stay stuck. You work. You step in faith. You take risks. You build the dream. No dream from God is going to show up at your doorstep all put together and packaged with a nice bow on top and ready to go. It looks like a crappy piece of furniture from Ikea that you went and you bought it and it looked real good and it sounded good at the time till you got it home, you unboxed it and realized, I've got to put this stupid thing together. Ain't no way that's going to happen. Six months later, it's still not done. I got two dresser sets in my house right now for my girls from Ikea and, and I, I'm going to have to ask somebody to come over and help me. I just, I, my salvation is worth too much to lose it over something like that. We fear failure. We don't want to fail. Nobody likes to fail. We don't like taking tests. We hate tests. Abraham, 75 years old, God's saying, I want you to start over. His wife's an old lady. She can't have children. She's barren, unable to have kids. God's telling an old man and his old wife to leave everything they know behind, all the security they've, they've built and, 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 and lived on for 75 years, all the support of their family and friends. And he says, I want you to go. I'm not going to tell you until you get there when you are there, but I want you to trust me. And when you get there, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And if I'm Abraham, the first question I've got for God is, where is this nation coming from? Because my wife's got more wrinkles than she's got potential to have kids. And I don't understand how this whole thing's supposed to work. We don't like resistance. We don't like when things don't feel right. We think resistance is a bad thing. And so we run from resistance. But the last time I checked, it's, it's through resistance that strength is formed. It's through resistance that we get built up. Our faith gets built up. Not by lack of resistance, but by and through resistance. And the more resistance that you've got to work through and live through and grind through, the more strength you're going to come out on the other side having built up. 
world is full of people who at the end of their lives are wondering why they allowed so many what-ifs in life to rob them of the many joys they could have known because they were afraid to fail. I just want to challenge you that if what you're doing today doesn't scare you just a little bit every once in a while, you're probably one of those people. If you're not doing something today that causes you to just like have a it's hard to breathe moment every once in a while. then there are probably some unfulfilled dreams in your heart. that You're going to get to the end of your life and wonder why you never pursued. Don't be one of them. The world is full of people who are buried with the dream still buried inside of them. Don't be one of those people. We don't trust God with our future. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, he says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food, the body more more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, reap, store away in barns, yet yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than the birds? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus wouldn't be liked by most people. If Jesus were here today and and we were like, Jesus, I got all these issues, and if if, if we really just listened to the words of Jesus, he just messes people up. I I think Jesus would have been a hard person to be around. He just would, he just tell you like it is. Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Stop worrying about your life. God cares about the grass of the field that's here today and gone tomorrow. Don't you think he cares about you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear for the pagans? People who have no faith run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows what you need. But you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. In other words, obedience is up to me. Outcome is up to God. Obedience is up to me. Outcome is up to God. Obedience is up to me, outcome is up to God. In the second, living a God-sized dream will always require you to take a step of faith on nothing more than a promise and a prayer. But oh, how powerful are the prayers we pray, and oh, how great is God's promise over every single one of you. On nothing more than a promise and a prayer. Oh, I've got some promises God's got some promises. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. See, what I love about Abraham's story is God doesn't just give him a command. He gives him a promise. Just like Jesus in Matthew 28, he says, go. 
Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I've commanded you. I know it's going to be difficult. I know the work I've called you to is a hard work. I know there's risk in this. I know there's sacrifice in this. I know there's pain in this. Persecution waiting for you. Uncertainty waiting for you. But understand that God will never give you a command without a promise. God will never give you a command without a promise. Just like Jesus, he follows it up. Hey, I'm with you. Here's my guarantee. I'm with you. Go, I'll be with you. Go, I'll be with you. It's going to be hard, but I've got you. Never will I leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you to the end. Watch this, Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. Let's read these verses again. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's house, and go to the land. And go. One command, leave, go. It's all one command. What I want us to do is I want us to continue to read this, but I want some participation, okay? Because I want us to count the promises that God attaches to this one command. Go, leave the land you're living in, Put your, put your hand up. Hold up the number one. Come on. Put your hand up, everybody. Here, here's promise number one. To the land that I will show you. I will show you, says the Lord. Keep your hand up. I will show you. One command, one promise. I will show you. When you get there, I'll show you. I will make you a great nation. Number two. Hold your hand up. Number two. I will bless you. Promise number three. I'll make your name great. That's a personal promise, that's that's a good one. Promise number four, and you will be a blessing. Promise number five, now here's why I need some help because I got a microphone in my hand, so it's gonna be hard. I will bless those who bless you, six. I will curse those who curse you, seven. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. How many promises is that? It's eight promises. Eight promises for one command. Eight promises for one command. I don't know if you've done much studying the the biblical significance and meanings of numbers. The number eight, the biblical significance of the number eight, eight means new beginnings. New beginnings. I think it's significant for our church that we would be in our eighth year and that God would be giving his church a, a new beginning in the Polaris area. Come on, somebody, that, that we're, we've got a new beginning there. And just so you know, I know we've not talked a lot about it. We're, we're, we're getting ready to, we're, all, we're getting all the ducks in a row. We, we've got a lot of people working hard and planning behind the scenes. So within the next few weeks, we hope to have some things to show you. Just be patient. We're, we're trying to be patient. But Number eight means new beginnings. Number seven means complete. Number seven is, it means completion. And as I I began to consider, why did God give eight, eight commands? Well, I think he gave eight commands because Abraham had completed his purpose where he was, where he was living, with his family. He, he could have stayed there, but, but he was finished. God, 
There, there was nothing more really for him to do. In order for him to, to get into that new beginning territory, it required a step. It required a move from Abraham. And I got to thinking about so many people and how maybe this describes you. You've settled for seven. Like, like you, you've been complete. God's been ready to move you. You've been prompted by the Holy Spirit to step. He's got something for you. There's a new beginning ahead of you, but you've been stuck and you've chosen to remain when God is saying, I'm ready for you to step into eights. I'm ready for you to move into new territory, into a greater anointing, into a place of greater authority. I'm ready to enlarge your platform. I'm ready to grow and expand your influence, but I need you to move, to trust me. I'm waiting for you to step into the greatness of the plan that I have for you. And again, some of you, listen, this, this doesn't have to mean geographically, but some of you, it's just spiritual. You're stuck. When you get saved, you're forgiven, it's just the start. That's not where it ends, it's the start. God has a life for you to live and, and, and the life that we live, it ought to bring glory and honor to him. We, we need to strip off everything that binds us and all the sin that slows us down and, and run in his righteousness by the power of his Holy Spirit, bringing him honor and changing the world for his glory. Maybe you're stuck spiritually and it's time for you to step into some intentional living. It's time to grow up spiritually. It's time to learn your Bible. It's time to join a small group. I don't, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a sin issue and, and it's, it's time for you to just strip that thing off of you. Stop choosing to go back to that thing. Step away from it in Jesus' name. You've not been walking in sync with the Savior. You're, you're out of sync. You're out of focus. You're all out of whack. Inside, you just, it's, it's dark inside. And it's time to step into God's freedom for you. Maybe it is a generational stronghold, something that needs broken off of your life in Jesus' name so your kids don't have to live with the same stronghold that that you've lived with and everybody before you has lived with for as many generations back as you can, you can count. Doesn't have to be repeated. That's your choice. For some of you, it may be the company that you keep. Yeah, but I, I'm trying to influence them. Well, it's hard to pull a, a, a friend out, out the ditch if you're in the ditch with him. It's hard to pull somebody out of the, the, the depth and the mire in the destruction of their life if, if your life is all all sinking up in that mire and that filth too. Like you can't save somebody and, and, and bring somebody to freedom until you've been brought into freedom. Some of you, you need to be free. Strip yourself off of some of the company that you keep because it's that same company that keeps you stuck and it's time to step. God has something greater for you. Stop letting the people around you dictate how God wants to use you. Stop, stop letting the people around you dictate the size of the dream that you begin to proclaim in the name of Jesus. Stop allowing some of the people around you to dictate if you're going to church on Sunday, if you're lifting your hands in worship, if you're giving your life fully and wholly to the work of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Stop 
Stop letting people around you, stop letting what Twitter says, stop letting what's popular determine what you believe and how you live and, and how you lift up the name of Jesus. Just make the decision to step into the fullness and the freedom that God has for you. Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray right now that with every head bowed, every eye closed, that, that Lord, whatever it is you're calling us to step from or to step into, would you make it so overwhelmingly and abundantly clear? Because I know that there are many people here today before they step to anything, they need to step from something and it probably is something significant. Bring that, bring that to mind right now. And may the conviction of your Holy Spirit be so strong, working overtime in every heart right now that we can't sleep at night until we step from it in Jesus' name. I pray for every person that is being called to step into something greater, something bigger. May that dream well up inside of every person that has a God-sized dream inside of them. And may the fear be overwhelmed by the confidence that comes through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. May uncertainty not have a voice right here and now. But may we live with strength and boldness and confidence that comes through Jesus. And may we begin to move toward that. From the dream phase to the, to the development of the dream, the, the conception of the dream, to the construction of the dream, to the completion of the dream in Jesus' name. These are world changers in this house. We are world changers. And we will not be stopped. I pray for every person right now who's never called upon your name. The Bible says this, every person, every one of us, we've sinned, we've fallen short, but everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. And some of you right now, it's time to step into relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna ask you to pray with me right where you're at. Say, Jesus, here I am, right, right between you and him. I'm here, I know you're here. I trust you as Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin, cleanse me from the inside out right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit as I choose to follow you, walk with you. Show me the first step into the plan and the purpose that you have for my life so I can live it out day by day, step by step. It is in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for Jesus and honor him right now in this house?